Welcome to the Sports Tom Podcast. No drama, no politics, and no argument. Just two guys talking sports. I'm your host, JJ Peters, and in today's episode, we'll discuss Tuesday night football highlights, reaction to the LCS, Jets release Le'Veon Bell, and the top golf in the world test positive for COVID-19. As every episode, we do a poll question, and you can vote on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And the question is, do the Rays finish off the Astros tonight? Poll results are in, and currently the Rays are running away with it. Now we're going to start with Jets releasing Le'Veon Bell. The New York Jets have decided to release running back Le'Veon Bell after a year and a half with the team. Bell signed with the New York Jets in 2019 on a four-year, $52 million contract. Bell missed the entire 2018 season because of a holdout with the Steelers. Bell wanted... $17 $17 million a year going into the 2019 free agency. In the middle of last season, the Jets were shopping Bell before the deadline. According to multiple sources, the Jets owed Bell $6.6 million after parting ways with the former Steeler. There were multiple reports that Le'Veon Bell angered the Jets organization after liking a few tweets that they did not use Bell right. Bell will now have his choice of signing with any team. My first thoughts to this, I'm really shocked that it happened. You would think that Le'Veon Bell would have a market for him. However, the Jets and Bell never did agree with each other after they fired the GM that signed him like two months later. It's going to be entertaining to see what the Jets do to replace Bell. Frank Gore, and yes, Frank Gore, the guy who's been in the league now in his 16th season, is now the number one running back for the Jets. Not sure if that's a great option for a team that is the worst in the league. Gore is now in his 16th season after signing with the team last April. But back to Bell, he did run for over 800 yards last season, despite having his worst year in the league in 2019. I might be a little biased towards Le'Veon Bell, but I do believe he's still a good running back, despite having a lot of tread on the tires. I think if a good team signs him, he will once again be an elite running back for the next few seasons. Who should release, who should sign, not release, who should sign Le'Veon Bell? Well, currently, I've been hearing a lot about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots. Both could use a running back like Bell. Bell can run and catch balls in the backfield. Dan Orlowski of the mothership, ESPN, has continued to say that Tampa needs a running back who can catch out of the backfield, and he thinks that the Bucs would definitely use a guy like Bell. Obviously, Belichick and the New England Patriots could consider Le'Veon Bell as well because they never could sign too many weapons. It does seem like Belichick always signs former stars to very little contract and gets the most use out of them. The perfect example would be them signing Cam Newton, a former league MVP, to less than $2 million contract. Other teams that could be interested would be the Chicago Bears, Buffalo Bills, the Pittsburgh Steelers, or maybe a dark horse in the Baltimore Ravens. It would be very interesting to see if Le'Veon Bell returns to Pittsburgh, but again, I don't think that's going to happen. There were multiple rumors that the Steelers looked into shopping for Bell when he was on the trade market, but I don't see Pittsburgh bringing back Le'Veon Bell. Did Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell ever get along? Well, to sum it all up in word, word, in one word, no, I don't think so. Gase and Bell, I feel like never had a good conversation with each other and never did agree on anything. You can also have to, you also have to point out that Adam Gase did not want to sign Bell to that massive contract and eventually fired the GM who signed Le'Veon Bell. Bell would be a great running back for almost any team, but of course the Jets after looking to trade him, decided to release him, and they still owe him $6.6 million. So whoever signs the former three-time Pro Bowler and two-time All-Pro won't have to pay him as much as the Jets will have to. Sorry, Jets fans. It's been a tough season. Now we move on to the head coaching vacancies in the NBA. Now that the NBA season has finished, let's talk about all the coaching vacancies in the league. 
the Houston Rockets, the OKC Thunder, the LA Clippers, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Indiana Pacers. Former Houston head coach Mike D'Antoni left the Rockets after losing the Lakers in the conference semifinal. The Pelicans parted ways with Alvin Gentry, and the LA Clippers did the same with Doc Rivers after being upset by the Nuggets in the bubble. The Indiana Pacers also fired Nate Thurman after signing him last year to an extension, and Billy Donovan left the Thunder to coach in Chicago. It's it's very interesting to see that four teams still need a head coach despite the season being despite their season being over for at least a month now. The one team I'm surprised that hasn't hired a coach yet is the LA Clippers. They fired Doc Rivers after losing the Denver Nuggets in seven games in the conference semifinals. They have interviewed a few coaches that include assistant and former Cavs coach Ty Lue, and have been rumored to be looking into former Bulls and Lakers head coach Phil Jackson. However, the Houston Rockets have just interviewed Lou and are seriously concerning him for the job. Jackson is now 75 years old and hasn't coached in the league since 2010. The Rockets did not fire Mike D'Antoni. He decided to leave on his own terms. There have been multiple reports that the Indiana Pacers and the New Orleans Pelicans are very interested in D'Antoni. However, still nobody knows where he will land in the next few months. No word yet on the OKC Thunder or the Indiana Pacers. What's the best head coaching job available currently? Well, the obvious choice, of course, would be the L.A. Clippers. They have the most talented roster in all of the league, and they have the best player in Kawhi Leonard. They should have at least made it to the Western Conference Finals. However, they were knocked off by the Nuggets in seven games. I think Ty Lue is the frontrunner for the job, or it could be someone totally, totally different, similar to what the Nets did with Steve Nash. The Rockets are somewhat exciting, and maybe the Pelicans with how young the roster is. Uh, the Indiana Pacers job is still a mystery to me, and I'm, I'm still not sure if the OKC is going to tank this season. Uh, on to coaching predictions, as I previously mentioned, I think the Clippers go with Ty Lue. The Indiana Pacers hire Mike D'Antoni. Uh, they could also hire Jason Kidd, but I think the Indiana Pacers are going to go ahead and hire Mike D'Antoni. The Pelicans, I think, rock with Brent Brown, and the OKC Thunder hire their lead assistant. They are just predictions for me, and I'm still not sure they're going to come to fruition but it could happen. Uh, the one that I'm most confident is, is the LA Clippers hiring an assistant and former Cavs coach, Ty Lu. Now we move on to the LCS. After the LA Dodgers fell to the Atlanta Braves in game two, 8-7, and trailed the series 2-0, they absolutely destroyed the Braves in game three, thanks to 15 runs in three innings. Bellinger, Seager, Muncie, and Jock Peterson all had homers in three innings. The Dodgers didn't want to go home early and, and are back in the series with Atlanta. On the flip side, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Rays took a 3-0 series lead versus the Astros. Tampa Bay is searching for their first World Series trip since 2009. The Rays have never won a World Series and are close to their first World Series in franchise history. My thoughts to what has happened so far, it's been exciting both the NLCS and ALCS. I'm stunned with how many runs the Dodgers put up in Game 3. The Braves almost choked away their lead in Game 2 versus the Dodgers. However, I think most of the Dodger players were still intact, or were still ticked, I should say, on their loss in Game 2. With the Dodgers winning Game 3, we have a whole new series. As we go to the American League Championship Series, it's been all Tampa. The Rays are showing us why they were the best team in baseball. And throughout the 2020 shortened season, it will be hard for the Astros to come back from a 3-0 deficit with how good Tampa Bay has been. What happened to the Astros and Dodgers? 
Well, I first thought the NLCS was over after the Braves won game two, but the Dodgers responded, and now we have a competitive series in Texas. The Astros have not been sharp, but I'm not sure anybody, and when I mean anybody, anybody would ex- could beat the Tampa Bay Rays right now. The Astros had nice runs, and I think they proved to people they are still good despite their cheating scandal early in the year. Houston still has a shot, but it's looking like they'll fall short of their ultimate goal. And this is kind of an interesting question, but do we really want to see the Raves and Braves in the World Series? <laughs> to be honest, I'm not super excited about the Tampa Bay Rays or the Atlanta Braves going to the 2020 World Series. But I'm just excited baseball is actually having a World Series this year after so many rumors that it could be canceled back in March. I really wanted the Astros and Dodgers to be the 2020 World Series. It would have been a very spicy fall classic, and everybody would be tuning into it. Plus, the ratings of the MLB have been somewhat down and I think they'd be go back up if this was the world series. However, the Astros or however, the Astros, the Dodgers, the Braves and Tampa Bay Rays would clearly make an interesting fall classic to say the least. I'm basically saying all teams would make anything interesting, especially with what we're dealing with right now in 2020. Ultimately though, I believe the Rays top the Braves in five games. If that does happen, Tampa Bay earns their first world series title and Randy Rose arena is your World Series MVP. Multiple players in the Florida football program test positive for COVID-19. The Florida football team had some bad news to report on Wednesday. More than 11 players and staff members have tested positive for COVID-19. They have now canceled this week's game versus LSU. They rescheduled the game to December 12th, a week before the SEC championship game in Atlanta. According to Florida, head coach Dan Mullen, has tested positive, or according to Dan Mullen, every player and staff member that tested positive are asymptomatic. My thoughts to it, it's obviously bad news for the University of Florida and their fans. The Florida football team wanted to rebound after losing to Texas A&M last week. Not sure if they can play next week, but I think the Gators will be chomping half the bit for their next game versus Missouri. Before the test came back, Florida football head coach Dan Mullen wanted full capacity for the first game this week, or for their full game, for the first game for the first time this season. This, of course, comes after the governor of Florida allowed full capacity in social gatherings. Currently, the Gators are two and one and are ranked 10th in the AP top 25 ranking. They are also two, they're all second place in the SEC East. When will Florida play next? I think they'll be able to next week. It just depends on what the results are in testing for the next few days. The Gators still have a chance to win the SEC and make it to the college football playoff. I would be some, I'd be somewhat shocked if they did make it. However, they are built differently than the last few seasons. They have a few tough games in the next two months that include Georgia and Tennessee. Florida has to be lights out when they return to play if they want to go to the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Should Florida be in the top 10 still? After losing to Texas a I don't think so. However, after this weekend, they'll probably be out of the top 10. The one thing I do know is that Florida could win eight or more games this season. And once again, Florida is cleared to play. Their stadium will be rocking. The next home game is versus Missouri on the 24th. Then they travel to Georgia on November 7th in Athens at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Dustin Johnson, the best golfer in the world, has tested positive for COVID. The top golfer in the world, Dustin Johnson, has announced that he's tested positive for coronavirus. Johnson is the second straight player on the tour to test positive within the week. Johnson had to withdraw from the CJ Cup. Last week, Tony Finau also tested positive for COVID-19 and had to withdraw from the Shriners Open. DJ will not be able to return until for at least another 10 days and has to have two straight negative tests in the span of 48 hours. 
my thoughts are it's a shame that the top golfer in the world has tested positive for coronavirus. DJ was on a tear for a while, and now he could miss two golf tournaments. The Masters in a month, so more than likely he'll be ready to go for the best golf tournament in the world. However, you need all the practice you can get for the Masters. Johnson won the Travelers Championship, the Northern Trust, the Tour Championship, and finished sixth at the U.S. Open last month. He has been great, and once he returns from quarantine, he will look for a second major title in his career. Which brings up me to my next question. Does DJ play in the Masters next season? Well, I think he will. It's, if it's not serious, he will be back in 10 days and will only, like to, only likely miss the CJ Cup this weekend. More than likely, Johnson will be ready to compete at, the, at a high level. The 2020 Tour Championship and FedEx Cup winner has been searching for his first Masters win since he came onto the Tour. Last year, Johnson finished tied for second, and the years before that, he finished 10th, 4th, and 6th. Currently, the betting odds are in Dustin Johnson's favor to win the 2020 Masters at Augusta National. Will it affect DJ's play? I don't think so, unless it's really serious. However, if it's serious, Johnson won't be playing at Augusta this year, which would be a shame. I don't think that will happen, and I feel like Johnson will be back and better than ever once he returns from lockdown. Johnson is the best golfer in the world currently and wants to win his first Masters. He's been so close in the past, and I think he will finally get over the hump and win the tournament that every golfer and fan dreams of. Got some UFC news. The UFC has offered McGregor and Poirier a fight on January 23rd, 2001. Excuse me, not 2001, 2021. The UFC president, Dana White, has offered Conor McGregor a fight with Dustin Poirier on January 23rd, 2021. A week ago, Conor McGregor offered Poirier, a.k.a. the Diamond, an exhibition fight on December 12th in Dublin, Ireland, hosted by McGregor Sports Entertainment. However, McGregor retired in June for the third time, but he's still under contract with the UFC. The Irishman still wants the fight in 2020 and even said he doesn't want to challenge in 2021. Most likely, if the fight happens on January 23rd, 2021, the winner would take on Habib versus Gagey for the UFC title, title fight in 2021. But there's still a chance that McGregor will box former bantamweight champion Manny Pacquiao next year. Now, let's get on to our first question. And my first question was, what, what's my predictions? And my predictions is Conor McGregor wins in two rounds. The way that Dustin Poirier wins, he has to go more than three rounds because most people can't stop Conor McGregor. If Dustin Poirier wants to win this fight, he has to last more than two rounds and tire out McGregor and win by pretty much exhausting out the Irishman. That's what happens. But in my opinion, my, my prediction is Conor McGregor KOs Dustin Poirier in round two. That's what most likely will happen. And if it doesn't, then I'm clearly wrong. But I believe Conor McGregor will get his second chance with Habib Nurmagomedov. Now we go on to Tuesday night football highlights. Despite not practicing for 12 days, the Tennessee Titans blow past the undefeated Buffalo Bills 42-16. Derrick Henry absolutely ended. And when I mean ended, he completely silenced him. Josh Norman's career after stiff-harming the crap out of him. The Titans are now 4-0 and on top of the AFC South. Ryan Tannehill looked really good last night. On the other side, the Pills are not ready for prime time. According to Pat McAfee, the host of the Pat McAfee Show, COVID has made the Titans even better. Josh Allen did not play great and needs to be better this Sunday, or Monday, I should say, when he takes on the Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, what I saw is I didn't expect the Titans to roll over the Bills after not being able to practice for 12 days. I actually thought it was going to be completely opposite. 
What I really thought, again, as I said, was the total opposite. Josh Allen had been playing so great for the first four weeks and then looked like an average quarterback at best on Tuesday night. Derrick Henry, again, as I said, ended Josh Norman's career. And, of course, you can't forget all about the Titans fans that were at the game in Tennessee for Tuesday night. They helped out a lot. Do the Titans even need practice? Obviously, they do. But, I don't know, it seemed like having the Titans being fresh helped more than actually having real practice. But, again, the Tennessee Titans, they need practice, but it just seemed like they were the fresher team, and that's pretty much what happened and why they were had the advantage. Now, what happened to the Bills? Well, to be honest, I'm not really sure. I think it was a combination of a lot of things. Maybe the Bills aren't ready for prime time. Josh Allen looked average, and the Bills' defense couldn't stop King Derrick Henry. And worst of all, the Bills have to get ready for the Super Bowl champs who just lost the Raiders and are going to be looking to rebound from their tough loss. You can also put in that Buffalo Bill need a better running game. I understand they have Devin Single, Terry, and their running back, Zach Moss. They also have TJ Yeldon, but they pretty much use him as a fullback. Shutting down Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley really helped the Titans last week. Titans are now unbelievably 4-0 after most people continually forget about how good the Titans are. We'll see what happens. The Titans got a big game coming this week. Well, that's a wrap for this amazing episode. Thanks for listening to the Sports Tom Podcast, or the STP Podcast for short. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. We release new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Please don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and comment.